They want attacking purpose for football all the time. Now we've got our backs against the wall and we're going to fight, and we're going to fight hard. You've got to show me all the guts and all the determination you've got in your body. You've got to inspire me. A marvellous kick. That's as good as you'll ever see. And puts Graham back in front. I don't know about you guys, but if I see one bloke walk out of here, give the pat on back from people out there for a good effort, I'll spill up. From inside the centre square, boys kick the goal. Boys kick the goal. From inside the centre. Hey Pack, welcome to Danny Boyd. It's a podcast about that football club that we all love, the Footscray Football Club, Petritri Limited. They trade us Western Bulldogs. I'm Danny McGinley. Tom Boyd, happy birthday. Thank you very much to you as well. Yeah. You know, you turned 41. Saturday. 28. It's all over, Danny. (laughs) Yeah, 28. um, You must be finally getting proper hangovers. Uh, Not yet. Not yet? Not yet. But what I will say is that I... um, I had a great joke for my dad. I don't know if I've told you this, but my I, I just decided this year I just want one gift because it's too hard and I need new boots. So get me some nice RMs. And across every person who's obliged to give me a gift of some yep. kind, split it between everyone. That's how you do it's it. It's like 50 yep. bucks a head. How much are boots? 600 bucks. Dead set. Yeah, they've what gone up. Cause they're still Australian-owned, mate, because what's his name? Um, was it? Uh, Twiggy Forrest? No, who's he? Hugh Jackman bought it, I think. Or, oh, Eric, or Eric Banner. One of the, anyone, one of the Australian big actors bought it. A to bring it back to Australia. Yep, right. Because um, it was offshore or sold offshore for a second there. Anyway, um, and I sent that through to the family group. Yep. And individually, my dad, who's currently away in WA caravanning with my mum, sent through a message to each of the family members individually that said, hey, guys, it's my birthday in March. Make sure you get the right colour. And he sent a photo of a brand new Land Cruiser <laughs> to, to make me feel bad about asking for such an expensive gift. It was some comedic gold for my father. And it was like the new sand, like tan coloured Land It was mate, Looks it was, good. It was so funny. It'll be camouflaged so, in the desert. Well, okay. Speaking of very funny family members, uh, I did not watch the Geelong game live. I'm sorry to say. So you haven't seen us win a game live in Geelong for about 45 since, years. Since, since 2003. Birth. Actually, I didn't even watch that game. I was working. <laughs> God, I, no, I, actually, do you know, I'll tell you the last time I saw us win a game at Cadinia Park when I was there live in 1999. And I'm never going back because I'm, I'm one win, zero losses. Yeah, I think I, I think I won a game against Vic Country there in 2012, and that was the last time I won a game down there. There you go. That's We're never going back. No. <laughs> so, uh, my, because it was my birthday, on Saturday, on the actual day, my wife uh, and I went up to Brisbane for a, a weekend away without the kids. Wow. It was awesome. It was brilliant. We got a – and because I'm a virgin pla- – uh, virgin air – You've got to say the word after virgin. I do quickly because of uh, my because I fly a lot. I'm a Virgin Velocity Platinum member, and that gives me Hilton Diamond membership. So I got upgraded to like the best. You get internet on the on the plane for free. Yes, I do. Uh, um, Economy X, which is not business, but and it's not as good as the emergency exit row I've found. No, it's definitely not. No, I was pretty cramped as well. Anyway, um, and my wife's pampering me like she goes she's uh we got uh, we she goes hey go sit by the pool i know where there's a great rib joint i'm gonna go get takeaway and i will bring you ribs to eat by the pool and i'm like yes this is good this is good and then she pulls out a little uh bottle of fancy whiskey and she goes have some of that have some of that and and i go sweet and she goes i just and we'd sort of talked about would i watch the footy that night And, and she goes look hey 
don't watch the footy. I don't want you to get angry. I don't want you to be annoyed on your birthday. We can watch the replay if they win. <laughs> such high, such high thoughts of how the dogs are going to go. I oh, know she just <laughs> she just knows what I'm like, and uh, and she goes, I tell you what, and, and and I'm like, oh, but I kind of you know I probably should for the podcast there. And she goes, what if I told you, I'll take you to a strip club. Whoa! And I'm like. And there's such a male thing when uh, you, when you well, a heterosexual male thing when your wife's about to do something unexpected romantically and sexually, you're a bit sort of like, okay, what like what you just you freeze because like you can only ruin it. So it's like don't move, don't don't do anything that could destroy this moment. I'm like, yeah, okay, yep, sounds great, yep. Done, and she goes great. And then uh, she, you know we're having uh, had a few beers in the afternoon by the pool, and uh, and then she said oh, we'll go get dinner at this uh, Irish pub. You love those? I'm like, yeah, sweet. I yeah, did that. Had, had a couple of Guinnesses, and uh, I'm feeling great. And then we she she goes marches up. We're in the valley, and we go into uh, into this uh, look nightclub establishment, mm-hmm. and we get there, and she goes go go get the drinks. I'll get I'll, I'll get us a table, and I'm like okay, sweet. And I got the table, and I was, I was I'd had a few. Wasn't really focused, and I'm looking around. And I grab the drinks, and it's only when I sat down and looked at the stage where the sign of the show was on "Magic Men" <laughs> that I realised what she'd pulled. <laughs> so I was at a male strip show. The Magic Mike spinoff. The, the Magic, yeah. And uh, look, it was a it was a nice little uh, the story. There wasn't much of a story to the yeah. uh, to the strip show. One guy came out at one stage. Dressed as uh, Captain Jack Sparrow, oh. and uh, you know, and then he took the pirate gear off, and he was all muscles under. Is Johnny Depp really the person that women are wanting <laughs> yeah. to fantasize know. about? It's like the art and the artist bit at that stage, isn't yeah. It? But how did um? What did you when you worked it out? What did you say to you? Oh, I just laughed. I was, yeah. I was like, oh, well played, well played. I feel like up until that moment, she just watched American Pie, and she'd been like, what do what do blokes want in their life? Ribs, whiskey, pubs, and then, nudity. Yeah. <laughs> Um, yeah, no, that's actually very accurate of my life. Yeah, <laughs> so, that was great, um, and it was fun. So, and yeah, I, I yeah, I, I did watch a little bit of the footy at times because there were there were some breaks. Uh, <laughs> so, I um, I, I don't. You didn't miss that much. Like we did win, which was good. Yes, I have since watched uh, uh, the definitely the last quarter. Yeah, which was the better part of the yes. game because the rest was a bit like, what's going on here? This is going to be the same stuff we've dealt with. Yeah, every time we've gone down to this cold, wet, and windy place. Because even though I didn't, I wasn't watching. I was checking the scores every five minutes. Yeah, of course. And yeah, uh, yeah man, just that second quarter, I was like, oh, this is this is yeah. shocking. I, I I don't know whether it was just years of torment being you know beaten down there, but even with Tom Hawkins and Jeremy Cameron and half their team, yeah. either old or injured, like I still didn't feel very confident that we were going to win for whatever no, reason. I think Isaac Smith, you know, pulled beer, you know, did some beers at quarter time. Yeah, well, he kicked a, yeah, he kicked a few goals. He kicked the first goal. He might have kicked the second. Out. Yeah. yeah, and then he was like, it's all done. Yeah, I've got my <laughs> moment. I can show this on the highlights of my career. Yes. The, in the last game, we kicked the first goal. But it was um, – it was – it was, I would say, very accurately um, portrayed that we should win that game yes. and then not make finals for the year. It was yeah. like that was the round summed up where we didn't play that well. We beat a team that we should beat and had lost to earlier in the year quite convincingly, actually. I was at Yeah, that but that game. was their reserves team as well. That's right. <sighs> and then we go in and our arch nemesis, 
the GWS Giants Football Club yeah, know, yeah. beats Carlton, <laughs> who are supposed to be like the hottest team in the comp yeah. and has been in the paper every other day saying, can the Blues recreate the Bulldogs' fairy tale run from 2016? Well, they're, they're on brand. They've lost their last game very disappointingly. Yeah, well, that too. But also, we didn't have a bloke who kicked 80 goals no. <laughs> playing for us. We also... Um, we didn't have any number one draft picks that we tanked for. And to be honest, we'd also been, um, in my opinion, at least over the course of that year, much more consistent than the Blues had been. We'd had some a lot of good wins. That's true. Year. You do watch the Blues a lot closer than uh, most Bulldogs fans due to your family uh, loyalties. Well, well, disloyalty in some sense. I watch it to basically go, at what stage of this game do I get to text my dad, sister, mum and other sister and say, it's tough being a blue supporter, isn't so it? None of them go for the dogs. That is just, I can't believe that. Yeah, I mean, dad's definitely aware like of what the dogs dogs are doing. I mean, mum's, mum's probably, I mean, she's Danish, so her like understanding yeah. of football is more... As a fan, as opposed to, you know, dad played enough footy and coached enough footy to have some understanding of what the game plan is. Yeah. But, you know, as I said to you a couple of weeks ago, he's still sucked into the whole, oh, yeah, they must be training hard at the moment. That's in true. the end of the yeah. season. And, you know. Well, this is this is actually a theme, I think, for the episode. Or, uh, we don't know. We, as much as... So, we open this up on our social media. Ask us anything. Like, we, everyone is... All the fans are scrambling right now. Being a footy fan is like being on a roller coaster. You know, of course, there's ups and downs, but I'm talking more. You've got no control. Mm. We don't know. It is being run by a carny with a mullet <laughs> in the corner, pull, pressing a button, and laying. You know, just praying that what an engineer did ages ago is going to work out well. And right now, the the carriage. What do you call a roller coaster? A cart. Uh, the train uh, carriage, I think. Carriage, we'll go carriage. Has is is fallen off, and we are careening to the ground. And normally we would just be okay, cool. We're about to crash for a bit, and we'll get back on, you know, soon yeah. and very slowly climb up. Yeah. But the last time, <laughs> all we of were, the passengers will be gone, but we'll, well, we'll bring some new passengers. Uh, we're and do a bit of maintenance. <laughs> <laughs> we, uh, but right because the last time we careened towards the ground at this speed. We suddenly landed on a different bit of track and went to the very top where we'd never been before. Yep. So and, we, and we, yeah, and we sort of made it home safely that year at least. Um, yeah, I, I, I don't agree. I saw questions about the 2014. I, like, I feel that you got to remember what happened that year. There was more significant change that year than is currently going on. Um, yeah. The coach was gone, the captain was gone. We had change in the execs. We had no money. All within a week. Though. Yeah. This is at the well, very hang, end But everything the takes time, right? So the coach didn't get sacked because he was in a week, as is very well publicised. Mm. Months earlier when I met with them and my dad looked at Brendan <laughs> McCartney and said, hey, Brendan, Jason McCartney's going to be here for a few years. Peter Gordon's here for a few years. Um, at that stage, Simon Garlick's going to be here for a few years. How long are you going to be here for, Brendan? He looked my dad straight in the eye and he said, I've got two more years, so I'll be here two more years. <laughs> oh, wow. Three months later, it was all over. He was gone. But do, do you remember, okay, actually, I want to educate you a little bit on uh, where we were as a club back then. Uh, 2008, 9, 10, make prelims. Yep. Very big fan of those teams. Yes. Loved watching them. 11, disaster. Like, yeah, yeah they fell off the roller yep. coaster, went down on Was the roller coaster. Was that the end of the Barry Hall era? Yes. 2011, basically. Yes. So, uh, yeah, he played 11 and, he played 10 and 11, maybe a bit of 12. I don't think 12. I think it was just 10 and 11. Then, yeah, we go down, miss finals. 12, uh, we 
12th, there was entire half, the second half of the season, we would score one goal in the second half. It was just yeah, rebuild. Yeah. 13, we're terrible. What people forget, we were awesome at the end of 13. We won like six games in a mm. row and only just missed finals. And so start of 14 was actually pretty optimistic. And that would have been the fourth year or third or fourth season for like the Wallaces and the Libbers and the father-sons yes, that had come Hunters. in. And Hunter had been the yep. year after. Yep. No, Hunter was two years after Mitch. Um, so you'd had all these young players. And, you know, at that stage, that was the that was the big media part because we, we had Pico, the obviously the two boys, Libber and Wallace, and they also had Hunts come in that was like, this is a family club. Yes. And it, there was so much optimism. But I remember 2014, there, there was a lot of negative press about the Bulldogs a lot of that year, even from Sydney. And I wasn't paying attention to that much because I'd just obviously come into the league and there was enough to worry about. Yeah. But I do remember so vividly beating... Um, <clears throat> playing for the Giants in Gia's last game at the end of 2014. Oh, yeah, you bastard. Yes. And, um, and Devin Smith kicking a goal that put us up by six points with like 25 seconds to go or something like yeah. that. Yep. Um, yeah, and that was a bit of a – that was a bit of a – you know, because at that stage, you know, the Giants and the Gold Coast Suns were still coach killers in a way, right? If you lost to the Gold Coast Suns or the GWS yeah. Giants, it was like you just lost to a bunch of kids – and I know a lot of people were very depressed after that game because that was very much a, oh, cool, we've rebuilt at the worst possible time. Because, yeah, at the re- collapsing at 2011, I remember saying, this is the worst possible time because all the draft picks are going to GWS and Gold Coast. This is the dumbest thing we could have possibly done. And and that game seemed to solidify it. Yeah. So, yeah, we were – it does feel a bit end of 2014. Of, a, little, uh, a little bit. I mean, again, 2012, you guys still managed to find McRae, Stringer and Hunts in one draft. Yep. Oh, that, we had Dalrymple back then. Yeah, 2013, obviously, the greatest player, I, in my opinion, that will ever play for the Dogs in Bond came through. Mm-hmm. Um, and yours truly, who didn't didn't get drafted to the Bulldogs, but eventually in some weird turn of events, ended did up they, there 12 months later. Did they try and draft you or did it was always just going to the Giants? Yeah, yeah I think there was probably three clubs who were interested. Um, I think it was Carlton, Bulldogs, and someone else. Because I was, it was a year before Kernow and Mackay and all that, yeah. so they were looking at getting there. I think maybe the Saints. Actually, I do remember uh, one of my mates talking, you know, who talked, you know, seeing you through the draft and everything. He'd go, I think GWS will give him up. I think I don't think GWS we could get this Tom Boyd kid yeah, yeah. because uh, he thought Buddy than- was going to GWS. Like, oh, why would they have the, to? One of the greatest hoodwinks of all time. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I still to this day I'll never lose respect for my manager for pulling that off with no one knowing. Ah, oh, anyway, let's uh, let's not Let, let's let's acknowledge what today is because today, today is a very yeah oh yeah yeah this, yeah this is the day. So for all of the those of you who don't know, this is the behind the scenes sort of cycle of what happens this week. So. In a really good year, which I guarantee they booked the, the uh, best and fairest to post the grand final this year because they always do that. Yep. And they have done, which is a good sign because the club's optimistic. Bad sign in the sense that you've now got a month between what happens today, which is the reviews and delistings get announced usually today. Now, I'll provision that by saying there'll be a lot of players, and I'm not 100%, I'm not 1,000% so- sure they're doing it today, but they do it basically the Tuesday. So you can imagine you're walking in from a disappointing end to the season, a mad Monday typically. So you've got a sore head, a sore oh, body. Oh, no, you don't do mad Monday on the actual Monday, do yep. you? usually. What? Almost always. I mean, I never did it any other day. How are you going to enjoy mad Monday knowing you have, surely it's called terrible Tuesday. Yeah, The next much. day. Well, and you know, there's, there, I remember so many boys, especially my first year. I mean, because that, that year I think it was Ace Cordy and a couple of other boys got delisted. And- 
you know, we had the Mad Monday and they all basically, you know, either came for an hour because they wanted their wits about them the next day. You know, they wanted to be sharp. Cause they, and, you know, because that year in particular, and I, they, I don't think they ever did it since, but that year the fir- all of the guys got delisted and we interviewed first or reviewed first. And it was at like seven in the morning. Oh, so you get told when you're coming in. Yeah, so it was pretty obvious because it was Daniel Pierce who was really close with me. Yep. Um, and he ended up getting re-rookied, I believe. Sorry, Pierce, if I'm misremembering this. Um, Ace Cordy and then a couple of other guys and they were at seven till eight and then everyone looked at it and they're like okay <laughs> and then it was like young guys and then sort of you know mid-years and then the older guys later in the day. So the whole point of Mad Monday though was to absolutely obliterate yourself. Yeah well that typically speak I mean a, a lot of clubs have changed because you know I was always I wasn't a massive fan of the whole dress up thing, but then some clubs do it so well. I was looking at the yeah, Geelong, uh, the Geelong did well. It's Geelong did a great one this week, right? Yeah. Which is that they did the uh, the two goalposts and the umpire and the Adelaide player whose goal yeah. got overturned. Oh, I was Keys. talking more the Grind Myers and um, uh, Jared Waitley tweet. Oh, that was great too. So Lino these Messi. are two very, t- and I'm, I appreciate that they're confident enough to be topical about you know. Yes. let's make it league. It's like a specific. it's like a good banner. Topical people always respect topicality. More yeah, than, for sure. Uh, and that's, well, that's what people care about. Like, at least this person didn't make them all up at the start of the year and then yeah. just be like, oh, this is what we're doing. Um, so, again, this today's a really tough day for a lot of players. Um, and when they get informed, so... Uh, Surely they're... I don't know, I'm getting hucked, caught up on this. Surely then you want the Mad Monday to be on the Wednesday. So then, like, you know it's your last hurrah, your last time play, being with these your, your brothers who you've been with all year. Yeah, I mean... <laughs> It's not like the footballers take, you know, titles very, you know, literally. But exactly. this one, for whatever reason, they do. So, Mad oh Monday God. is on the Monday. It's um, I'm, When I take over the club, <laughs> I'm changing that. Is this you announcing? Yes. Um, but the other thing that's, you know, is quite challenging is now I would, I, I at least as I understand it based on the last few years, I don't have any inside word. I imagine that the best and fairest is in a month. So, you've got all these guys who've got the choice to either um, not turn up or turn up for one last hurrah, mm-hmm. or feel like they've been mistreated or not mistreated, and it's like, and some of them will still probably be in the mix for a trade. It's really tough to do it that far down the track. Whereas if you do the best and fairest straight after the season finishes, which by the way they don't because it's a cost thing, right? Because if you want to book crown and the yeah, club sell a thousand tickets or more, then you can't just like be like, oh, you know. Jimmy boy, Mr. Packer, can you let us in yeah, on, right. on like a Wednesday? So, um, yeah, it's a, it's a tough time for the club. And this is the start of the cycle of basically, you know, there'll be three buckets of players that'll go in. There'll be the ones who get delisted. There'll be the ones who got told that, hey, this next year's a big year for you. And there'll be the ones that said, oh, you've had a good year this year and we want to see you build on it next year. How often, which which buckets were you in? You were never delisted. I was always in the like, hey, you need to improve next year. Bucket. Yeah, okay. But having said that, you know, like this is the problem with reviews. And we like, in my, funnily enough, in my other work, we talk about this all the time is when you look at a stationary period of time and you try and capture 12 months, it's impossible because there's not enough measurements along the way to be like, oh, they were good this week, they were bad that week. Like, like they, the club kind of knows. But essentially, the only efficient way to do this for 45 players with five coaches or whatever it is in the room is to go, here's your averages, here's how many games you played, here's how many got, like, it's it's just static information. Yeah. And I remember in 16, you know, I'd played my best season of footy, um, but it hadn't been perfect. And I'd had all these injuries and everything, and they were just like, oh, like, <laughs> best year ever, you want a flag. And I'm like, oh, that's, you know, kind of true, but at the same time, 
it wasn't helpful or wasn't insightful to be like, oh, these are the areas to improve on for next year, you know, and I had surgeries coming up. So it's just a – it's it can just be a, a session where players just get beat up by the coaches essentially. <laughs> and can you, give, can you give any back? You're like, well – no. One on five. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> like, Did you no. go to Mad Monday or Best and Ferris the year you retired? Uh, did I go to them? Uh, I don't know. Yes, I think so because I think I got announced life member at the Best and Ferris. Oh, there you go. Yeah, I think, and I because I had to speak, and my and they invited me, and they didn't tell me what it was for, and Peter Gordon was there, and Mitch Wallace spoke for me, and all this sort of stuff it was really nice, but they didn't tell my parents what was going on. So my parents were in the air going to Europe. <laughs> and as I like did my speech, I'm like, you know, I'll thank everyone. And then I'm like, oh, I suppose I should thank my parents, but they're like midway to Singapore at the moment. <laughs> like, so they were a bit, they were a bit uh, like sad that they weren't there for that. Cause they'd obviously, yeah, it was a bit of a tough position. They only found out, they would have only found out late if they found out at all. And then they were traveling to my uncle's um, birthday or whatever. So, or my, I think it was my grandma's 85th birthday. The, the the best of Ferris is such a difficult time and there are players over the course of the history that basically get told either don't come or you know you have to come and it's yeah, it's messy and this is the thing like for for fans out there I thought I saw this thing that Trelaw said after the West Coast game uh, on his podcast and he was saying I understand the fans criticising the game and the game plan and the performance of the players, but when you get into the character of the players, it just doesn't make – like, one, you should never do it, and two, it doesn't make any sense because th- these guys aren't trying to play bad. And I, I totally agree, but in the same position, the club, you know, doesn't take that into account when they go, you know, you're just, like, expected to turn up to these certain things, even if you're not sure you have a contract or, mm-hmm. if you know. Like, character and people get forgotten about all the time in this time of year because unless you're playing finals, no one cares, you know. Yeah. yeah. So, I think, you know, there, there will be there will be very, there'll be a large percentage of players who get told they need to improve next year because that's what happens when the club, yes. you know, doesn't get to where they well, want to Well, I think to. we can name the players who won't get told that. It'll be yeah. Bontel, Bont, Libba, Tim, Tim. But they'll say to Tim, Tim, your last six games of the year wasn't your best. Oh, man. Because he, like, and he, he had, you know, I remember saying every week you'd have 20-something disposals and sort of the back end of the year probably had quite a few less. If you know that you're going to leave, like, you know, according to rumours, you know, Bailey Smith and Tim English are, and God forbid that happens, we of course want them to stay. But if you're in that, five coaches are going, yeah, you, can you just go, stuff is, I'm off to... You know, North Melbourne. I mean, you can really do whatever you want, but the problem is, like, both of those boys are contracted. So, you know, there are a couple of trades, you know, very recently of significant players who are now no longer at the club, mm-hmm. who basically the club said, we're not going to trade you out of spot because yeah. you didn't do this process properly. So, um, you know, that's happened many a time. And then the, the difficult position is that, you know, bird in the... What is it? The bird in hand is worth two in the bush. The issue with having a contract promised to you, and this is something that I almost went through, which is, yeah, yeah, we'll revisit this, you know, groundbreaking contract and hope it doesn't leak over the next 12 months. It's like, it's no guarantee that that happens. None. And so much can change in 12 months. So when the club goes, hey, you know, to Dunks, Dunks, we're not going to trade you. Well, you know, it changed where he was going to go because from all accounts, he was going to Essendon or something like that. Then he ended up up north. So I think... It is such a hard period of time. But the other thing is, like, we look at these players and go, oh, these are AFL footballers earning lots of money. They're, they're 22, 23 years old, you know. I am I would consider myself relatively mature for a 28-year-old. 
And especially in the sense that I can sit in rooms with people who are considered important and be like, I'm not doing that. Or, you know, but I couldn't do that when I was playing. Yeah. I was terrified. And I was talking to an ex-team out of mine during the week about, you know, so many of ex-players you know, when they're thinking about talking about the club, and I've done this many a time, where I don't want the, I don't want to abuse the club or I don't want to make the club look bad and I don't want to talk, you know, in specifics about what the club should do because I'm not there and I don't know enough information. But the reason we do that is because from the age of about 15, if you're involved in the state programs, you're taught to toe the line, toe the line, toe yeah, the line, yeah, never yeah. have an opinion, keep going. And, like, it, it has changed a little bit with social media because obviously these players are sharing who they are more. But at the end of the day, like, the confidence to go in and say, oh, you guys are full of shit. Like, you've said this to me all year, and I'm. this is not a specific example. You've said this to me all year, and you've told me to wait and do this and improve here, and you still haven't picked me all year, and now you're telling me that I had a, a rubbish year. Well, I did what I was supposed to do, and you just didn't weren't transparent with me. No one does that. Like, it's too scary. And you don't have enough leverage to go, oh, yeah, I'm just going to go somewhere else because it's easy. Cause Even though I think we both agree there would be players who could – definitely be saying that in this meeting well and they and you know in many ways they should be and i think the difference between you know players who some to some players who make the most of their careers and others who don't is the the courage to stand up which is by the way incredibly difficult given that these guys are literally like a mix of god and your dad yeah because in terms of like what they represent to you um but some players who have the courage to stand up and go after what they want they get better outcomes and I've said this before on this podcast and I'll say it again it's like nice for, nice guys finish last in the AFL unless they're the absolute best players in the team Bond well yeah exactly but Bond's the best player in the team yeah, so exactly. it's fine so, so the players it. who are in the middle who don't have the you know they don't have a, a bit of grunt and fight and you know they want to do things right well that's fine but then people just presume you're going to keep doing that so they don't value you and that's what AFL football is all about just trying to find value. All right. Well, we said we'd put it up to the questions now of uh, of everyone, and there's been there's been a lot. Ultimately, a lot of them are very the same. Like, yeah, uh, like constructive, but they yeah they want answers. It's just scrambling. You know, who leaves? Who comes in? What do we do at the draft? What happens with coaching and coaching staff? Us, Shannon Hall. Uh, yeah, I mean. The brutal, honest answer is we don't know. We don't. We we're not in the full walls. We don't know what players would suit the game plan, what coaches would suit the game plan, what the game plan is, if it's a a static thing or is it something that's malleable? Is it we don't know what how toxic the uh, the change room is at the moment. It looks pretty bad from the outside, but we don't know. And we we're not gonna patronize you with speculation. I mean we'll save that for footy classified. If you want Kane Corns to tell you that everyone should be sacked Sure, you can do that, but well, that's in, not really in, what, what in Danny week, Boyd does. In one week, categorically, Tim Tom Morris came out and said Bailey Smith's not leaving. And then Tim, Gary, Tom Morris is still around. Or do you mean Tom Brown? Who, Tom Morris, he's oh, back. He he's back on is he? Yeah. Oh, yeah, and then the other side of the coin was Caro said last night that he's gone. Yeah, yeah. So yeah. it's like, and and look, I would say to everyone that this there's a very specific cycle that clubs go through. The the cycle for planning about what's cut to come next and that's at every level that's coaching that's executives that's change of list that's change of people and personnel it's everything doesn't happen until the reviews happen because the review is you know first the players go through it then the coaches go through it and then in some way shape or form my guess would be that luke and the coaching staff need to present back to the board or whatever about what the season was in the next couple of weeks 
and when do we and uh, and when do we get to, as the members as the shareholders? When do we get to review the board? Oh, you'll just see the decisions being no, made, no. yeah, that, and that that hurts. Yeah, that that hurts in this uh, democratic society. Yeah, I, I feel like you know so much of what I've learned in the last little while is. Like half of the battle is just selling the right story. And I don't mean the story is made up, but it's just trying to make sense to both both the players and the coaching staff and everyone who's involved in the club internally, but also to the fan base. What's actually ha- – like where are we at in the roller coaster? Yeah. Are we looking at changing things drastically? And there's never a moment because and – and this is the reason why they don't share that story is because they don't want to be held to anything if things don't turn out the way that they intended. Yeah, But at the same time – I feel like the the chaoticness that comes from the end of the season and a season that was disappointing by every metric Very, yes. is that everyone wants the solution. And unfortunately, the solution is something that gets developed over time, not one that has... But it know, wasn't. In 2014, we got a solution straight away. Yeah, but, but let's do that again. Yeah, but of course you guys weren't there for every moment of every preseason session and every training session together and the camps away and the preseason... Like, there's just so much that goes into that becoming something that works. And, you know, I, I remember um, talking to a friend of mine who shall remain nameless, who was, you know, we were talking about da- uh, uh, Damien Hardwick leaving, right? Yeah. And, you know, the likelihood of him, him going to the Gold Coast at the time, which obviously is just being confirmed. And it was like, I was like, it, it's tough to sell. Like, I just, I said my opinion at the time was get him to take one year off. Yeah, as in, and mate, they will come screaming and clawing. There'll be fifteen clubs on the market who that's wants right. a coach. Well, that's the amazing thing. Like everyone just wants a proven coach. I mean, there's people. A lot of the questions we got are, how do we get Stuart Dew? It's like what? Stuart, what? As an assistant, mostly. But like, yeah, Stewie Dew's had a pretty underwhelming time at Gold yeah, Coast. I think everyone who goes to the Gold Coast is going to have an it. It is, yeah. Time. Sorry, Dimmer. But but the Dimmer thing, and then the, the pushback my friend gave me was, but. Like Dimmer's whole thing is that he's so prepared and he's had all these stories. And coaches have all these stories what they tell over and over again about what why this game's important, what the theme is, so on and so forth. What they've learned from other people who've been successful. Like they most of them are real students of like sport and high performance. Yeah, and those those self help books. And yeah, all that yeah. stuff. And you know, story. And you know, like the whole you know, as our fans know, like the domestique story. Like, what is that important, and why do we have that voted every week and rewarded at the end of the year, the best and fairest? And my friend said, "Well, just there might be people who don't know what the sure. domestique so is. So the domestique is essentially a role that's um, utilised in team cycling. Yes. So in the Tour de France or whatever, there's the domestique, which essentially their job is to set the pace, break the wind, give up their glucose, um, you know, capsules or whatever. If their lead rider needs it, it's just a fuel, purely fall on the sword to enable the fastest rider to win. Yes. And that's what Cadell used to be. So he was a domestique first, and then he ended up being the team lead." Dale Evans, yeah, Australia's Tour de France win, and then the Bulldogs brought this in yeah. as a don't don't player. reward the best player, reward the player who does the most for the team. Yes, and it's morphed a bit over time, but and to explain to give the best example of who like are the Lib- four Libba would be a perfect example. Liam Picken. Well, I was going to say, Clay who were the four domestique winners of the 2016 final series? They're the games. That I think I won two. You did, and win then two. Um, uh, Pico won one, and Bont won the other, maybe. Yeah, I don't know. I just know, I remember you and Pico yeah, were like once, but you were grand final, grand final and prelim, and prelim. Yeah. So just so so there you go, people. Like 
the 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 tomboids of those matches. Yeah, and that's who and, we're talking about. Yeah, and I mean, there's I suppose there's that the, it's the difference between you know who gets voted voted the most best and fairest votes and who gets voted you know best on ground from a domestic. They shouldn't be the same player. But what my friend was saying was. Um, now he gets to repurpose every single one of those stories that he's come oh, up with yeah, to yeah, new yeah. people. And, you know, he, I was like, that makes so much sense because it's fresh, it's new, it's exciting. And the challenge with Bevo is that he's been here 10 years. How many yep. new stories has he had? How many ways can he re-spin what he's got and to re-energise and, you know, reinvigorate his team because they've all heard it before. And this is not – this is purely not a knock on Bevo. It's just a function of time. So what Bevo needs is a writer. Yeah, I'll do it. I know someone. Yeah, hell yeah, <laughs> man. I get, what, what Imagine, like, I think there's something. There's actually something to that. We should, uh, you know, I think that's a product we could sell. Yeah, just for maybe you. not my comedy. Maybe well, well a, lot these, a lot of these. Like, put it this way, a lot of these coaches need to be more likable. Yeah, so give them a few jokes. Yeah, absolutely. Start the week, and then we'll get someone else in, like maybe like a Stephen King or something, to do the like pre-game writing. You mean the author Stephen King? Yeah, not the, the, not the cards. We bring in Dan Brown and J.K. Rowling. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. We just rotate between the biggest writers in the world. Every well, that'll week. work. And yeah. it, you know, when there's a big final, bring in Matthew Riley and just talk about hey, there's going to be a, you know a thousand people dead at the end of the game. We have. I love Matthew Riley. Yeah, I loved him growing up. He's yeah. I, I, I station. I was just like, this is awesome. Yeah. You know? Uh, seven Ancient Wonders, my favourite. Yeah, yeah, true. Great Very series. Good. There's like 15 books in that as well. Uh, seven. Yeah. Anyway, uh, so, uh, I mean, how many questions do you want to – do you, you want to – are you happy with that that being our answer? We don't know what happens with coaches hiring and firing and, and lists and stuff like – okay, let me ask you this. This is a direct question just from uh, – uh, Chris wants to know, is Baz staying? Is Naughty staying? Is Tim staying? Do you know? I know you've got plausible deniability, but I know you've got insiders at the club. Can you give us any? I, I know very little. And, any and I mean, hard I, evidence. No, and I don't know. Um, yeah, I don't know anything to be honest. But I saw, from what I understood, Naughty came out or his young manager came out and said, "Well, he's not going anywhere." Uh, well, definitely one of our listeners saw him at a pub and he said, "I'm not going anywhere." Yeah, so there was that too. But I think Colin Young said something. I think he's great. Got Colin. Yeah. Cool. That's one. Pretty sure he's he said he's staying. And I, again, I haven't asked him because I would never ask a player that I kind of know and be like, "Hey, give me the incriminating evidence." I also talk about your club. On we the can pod. barely get naughty on the pod, so we well, haven't even tried to be honest. Are we but, oh, let's get him on. Yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll get him to do the announcement. <laughs> That's um, a great idea. But I haven't heard anything about Tim. I think the rumours of Baz have been floating around. And look, my here's my encouragement to everyone. When you read a headline, think about who it actually benefits. So when you see headlines floating around about, oh, this player's not yeah, – he's disgruntled, he's not getting enough of X or whatever it is, like mm-hmm. he's not getting time in the midfield or he doesn't feel like he's valued or what he wants to be in the leadership group or whatever the story is. A lot of the time that comes from their managers, right? And their managers are just starting to sow the thoughts to in other clubs' minds to say, he's available. Start working out how you're going to pay him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Then so we can ask the Bulldogs for more money. That's right. Well, either way. Either way. So yeah. it, it's either to you know up his price to stay. And you know many players, unfortunately, I think, I don't know if money, <clears throat> I'm sure money's going to be a part of it for Baz, no doubt. And this again, this is purely speculation, but- I think he's probably pretty set. And so knowing how much he loves footy, I sh- I'm sure he wants to look back at his career and go, I was the player that I wanted to be going in. So if he feels very strongly, which is what's been reported, that he wants to play in the middle of the ground and they're not giving him that time, 
then he I don't think money will be the biggest factor that gets him to stay. It'll be assurances that he's going to play in the in the middle of the ground. You said yesterday, uh, last week on the Patreon episode, why players want to be in the midfield. Can you reiterate yeah, that for so our free to away listeners? I think this is a really clear thing that's gone um, wrong and it's stopped the development of many players. And and again, I'm not saying. I know better and retrospectively um, looking back, it's always easier than planning going forward. But I remember a time when obviously we played with the Bulldogs, we had a lot of players going through the middle of the ground. And the reason why that's so important is not just because the theme of the day in 2016 was let's overwhelm teams with our energy around the ball. Because if you've got 15 blokes going through there or 13 or 12 or whatever it was, we're going to have more energy than five or six. It's just, yeah, it's, it's just going to be the case. The other part is... 90%, and this is an absolute guess, but this is what I've seen, is 90% of players who get drafted who are six foot or under or six foot or around, and now it's probably more like six two, I suppose, were midfielders their entire junior careers because that's where the best players play. Yep. And as you go through your juniors, you can imagine a pyramid where you know there's less and less spots across the leagues for midfielders to be midfielders. So some of them you know move to the wing, some of them go to half forward, very few of them who are good enough to play AFL football didn't get drafted as midfielders still. Because by the time you get to under-18s, you're still playing you know, state-level footy, you're still playing you know, Vic Metro, and if you're playing for Australia or the AFL Academy or whatever it's called now, there's enough spots for the best players. And the, you know, they can get drafted from pick one all the way to pick 100 or whatever it is. But when you don't get the access when you're actually in the team, what happens, say, take the Giants, for instance. When I was playing at the Giants, guys like John O'Rourke and Hoz Wiley and Zach um, uh, Williams, who ended up at Carlton, and a few other guys were dominating in the NEFL, like dominating, like 35 and 3 every week. And, yeah, it was just so one-sided. But the moment that they would play four good games, they get picked in the side as a half-forward instead of playing yeah, in the middle yeah. of the ground. And it's an incredibly different spot to play and it's incredibly difficult to play at AFL level because you're always – the ball's always going over your head or you're trying to defend and you're walking this tightrope – and I'm not trying try not to get too technical, but essentially you're walking the tightrope between defence and attack all the time yeah. and you're in the most exposed part of the ground because if the ball spits out of a stoppage, you can imagine the half forward's the first person who can either impact that defensively or needs to get back offensively. So – over the course of the last five or six years, we haven't done that 12-person through the middle of the ground very often, if at all. So guys like Riley West and you know these new guys have come through and the Toby McLeans of the world, they, they would have typically played 20 to 30% in the middle of the ground, which gives you confidence, which gives you access to the ball, which means you're always in the game. And instead, they've been scrapping away in the twos and then coming in to play these peripheral positions, which means they don't get to learn how to play midfield and they don't develop as midfielders because we've had A-grade players in there over the last few years and, you know, it's the Bonds, it's the Libbers, it's the Trelaws, McRae. And what so, happens if we put someone like Bont at half forward for a bit? Well, that's the thing. It's unlikely to impact Bont as uh, negatively as it is likely to impact positively the other players, right? Is that you can carry one player in the middle of the ground, but the, yeah, again, the problem, it's just the fact that if you have three players who can play in there and they're the ones you, you trust without a doubt and it worked for a period of time, which it did, yeah. Certainly worked. In 2021, it worked beautifully. What happens if one of them gets injured? What happens yes. if one of them falls off? What happens if they get you. older? That's the issue. I'll tell you what happens. Then the media start having this story, which is they rely on these players too much. And that's, that's exactly where we're at now. 
Yeah, and the problem is that the the real void is not in those players dropping off. It's in the development of the other players below them. Yeah. Because you can't – so I, I think I said this on the podcast too. In the NFL, I was listening to an expert talk about it the other day, and he's been a coach and a GM, and, he's, um, and his last name's Lombardi, which is the name of the trophy. Nice. So that's of it. course. Yeah, yeah. makes he's sense. His grandson. Yeah. Um, he said – he thinks it takes 25 games for an NFL quarterback to be up to scratch. And either at that 25-game mark, they either make it or they don't. Mm-hmm. 25 games is a season and a half in the NFL. Yeah. And likewise, it probably takes a season and a half at least of these guys getting regular and somewhat substantial midfield time to work out how to do everything right. Because you know, when you're playing against a big ruckman, it's different compared to getting playing against an athletic one versus a strong midfielder versus a quick, fleet-footed midfield versus one that's very attacking versus one that's like Melbourne who are, um, you know, they don't do anything defensive a lot of the time because they're so confident that Gorn will hit the ball to Petraka or to Oliver and they'll kick a goal. Yeah. So they're all very different. And being able to play against all of those teams is something that it takes a long time to learn and to, to perfect. And unless you've got the stoppage on tape or the footage on tape, you're just guessing. And it's not transferable from the VFL to the AFL because the guys in the VFL are one, you know, one half of uh, the quickness yeah. and the strength <laughs> and the size. Yeah. So that, I feel like, is the, from a tactical point of view, is the thing that stood out to me most in the last five years. And again, I think that's, I, I think it's, you know, it's hindered some players' development for sure. Okay. So that's good. This is good proper But at the same analysis. time, this is the stupid thing about it. If Bont, Lipper and Jacko continue to dominate and got us to a grand final in 2021, which they did, and we'd won, everyone would be like, it was the right call. Yeah. So yeah. The, this is the edge that the coaches walk, and it's so hard. The difference between sanity and genius is uh, success. Yeah. And it's also, you know, it, it's the, do you try and win today or do you try and, you know, and like win it all today? Well, or do okay, you try yeah. and, you know, be decent forever? Like, no one cares about decent. Yeah, that's right. yeah, it's right. Prelim, making a prelim doesn't really. My did much. my life would be drastically different right now if we hadn't won in twenty sixteen. That's true, and yeah. the club would be drastically different, and we'd be thought about. You know how much media scrutiny we'd be getting right now if we hadn't won in twenty sixteen? A lot less. Zero. Yep. No one cares. Yeah, it's true. All right. Uh, well. I mean, there's other questions we can ask. I mean, even, even guests of the show are asking things. We had uh, Kerry, the uh, the Bulldog tradition. She's asking why were we unable to achieve sustained, sustained success after 2016. We only genuinely contest... We have, during the beverage era, let's be brutally honest, we have only genuinely contested, contended for three seasons. 2015, hey, we were right up there. If we hadn't, uh, if there hadn't been a game plan leaked, allegedly, we would have gone to semifinals, knocked off Hawthorne, gone all the way. 2016, obviously, the best year ever. 2021, but 17, 18, 19, 22, 23 now. That's, uh, they're, they're, they're not great. So we didn't make finals in the, any of those other years. We uh, did in 20. Yeah, oh my God, yeah. That in was, St Kilda. Yes, where we... Again, it's like... This is the average thing. Oh, we right? made in 19 where we got flogged by the Giants. Yeah, and this is the averages thing, right? So, like, again, they look at coaches. And, and this is, like, I suppose, at the end of everyone's careers, they should look at averages to work out the mo- – it's the only fair metric, right, in terms of win-loss percentages, you know, how long they lasted, how many games they coached. Like, they're just, you know, static points in time. Yeah. But, it, you know, there's a big difference, I suppose, between the experience of, like, let's say, you know, Dimmer had a – Again, I'm extrapolating this because, and I'm not exactly sure what these numbers are, but let's say Dimmer's first five or six years, he had a bit of a tough time, right? He did, yes. So then they win three or four, three out of four, 
and then he has a drop-off at the end. His averages probably don't look incredible. They look all right. Mm-hmm. I guarantee he looks quite good, and I'm sure he has a winning percentage. But is that the story of his coaching career? No, the story of his coaching career is that he took a club that hadn't won a flag in a long time to three premierships in four years and to be one of the greatest runs in the history of the game. Yeah. That's the story. Yep. It's not the averages. <laughs> so, you know, and again, it's like if we win in, if we win in 21 – Bevo's suddenly gone from taking a club that was in nowhere to winning two flags in 10 years with a you know a club that's very small and with not a lot of funding compared to some of the big clubs. That's a vastly different story too. We won one in 16 and then things just didn't work out since. Yeah, yeah. And, and there's a great question. I'm trying to find the, uh, the person who uh, did it. Here we go. Piano Joe. Are we just extremely entitled and ignorant of the fact that Bevo has accounted for half of the club's men's grand final appearances? And I'll, I'll answer this because this is more a fan thing than a player thing. Problem with uh, winning grand finals is they're a bit Moorish. A bit, a bit like heroin. You yeah. never, we're never satisfied. We are satisfied. We are. We won the grand final, but it's not like we were there in 2017 going, ah, it doesn't matter if we don't make finals or that. There is a little bit of that. Like it is a different mindset of going from zero to one in our lifetime was huge. But going from one to two, it's like, oh, I oh, would have liked that. Mm. Like that. And I'm, it's never – yeah, we, we are entitled. But we can also give up a lot of our hard-earned time and money to watch these. So why not ho- want you, the can best? I, can I tell you how many Giants fans were entitled when I was playing for them in 2014? Well, both of them? Zero. <laughs> Zero. And this is the point, right, is the point is how many North Melbourne fans are entitled at the moment? How many Hawthorne fans at the moment? Oh, all of the Hawthorne fans yeah. are entitled. You okay. can't pull that one. Okay. <laughs> Richmond, definitely. Melbourne yep. probably now. Yep. Um, now every club is now, in, feels I, I, entitled. I, I disagree. I think that there are certain clubs, and and you know St Kilda, St Kilda. The, I would see us in St Kilda, and even North Melbourne to a degree from a club size point of view. You know, we were probably in a similar realm, and it's changed a little bit where we've grown and St Kilda have grown a little bit, and then North have kind of gone backwards. Yep. But at least the way I think about them, the entitlement for your club means that the club has given them something to be entitled about. And I think that the fans should continue to hold the club to the highest standard because we've shown in recent times, much more recent than most clubs, that we can do the we can win it all and we can be in there at the last day in September. Yeah. yeah. So I would rather have entitled fans who expect us to win than you know unentitled fans who just whinge and complain. Like Carlton, like yes, Carlton fans are always upset. They're not upset because they're entitled. They're upset because they've just been through the ringer for the last 20, <laughs> 28 years. So. Like, I, again, I'm I'm a big big fan of the club being held to account around like yeah we should win we've got a great list we've got one of the be- again we have what I believe would be the best player to ever play for the Bulldogs yeah. captaining our club and has been there for the last eleven years or ten years and we should be entitled about the fact that we should be winning grand finals whilst also helping the community yeah and being a source a fight for good in the city of Melbourne which we are yeah so yeah we yeah, be entitled because we support the best club in the world yeah. And if you've watched, you know, the, the challenge is when when the entitlement gets out of hand, and especially at the executive level, like, I, you know, there's a few clubs who have obviously gone through big board upheavals in the last few years. That's like when this stuff gets out of hand. But it's not about the fans. It's about those, they're different. Like, that's people who want to be directly involved. Fans yeah. should never want to be directly involved. I guarantee for all the fans that are listening, we love you to absolute bits. Both as fans of our podcast and also of the club, you've got, you don't have the answers. <laughs> you don't have the answers to the club. Like you have the answers in terms of the passion and the desire and the you know commitment and all of that stuff, and that's you know, you know. are you are the reason the club has survived. Let I me know just a fan that got involved and uh, wrote a premiership banner. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. One or two. So some of us can help. But my point being is that 
don't want one. Don't listen to people who aren't from our club about what the answers are because they don't care. They care about causing anguish and antagonising people. Oh, you so you're talking about your your corns and your Wilsons. Yeah, I mean, your- what they don't they don't benefit from people. You know, they don't benefit from solutions. They benefit from problems. They benefit from us arguing about it and giving them clicks and look at this article that they wrote and yeah. Yeah, I think we've got time for maybe f- like four or five quick fire questions. I'm not going to answer them in as such a level. Well, a lot of them are just they're very much the same questions over and over. Uh, what okay? What sort of player would you be looking for in the draft here, Boydie? What sort of player? Where are we going to pick? Sort of tenth. We're not going to get a key forward at tenth. We don't need one. We don't. We don't really need a ruck. Definitely don't need a key forward. We got naughty and. I think we need some size down back. Like you know, our, our backs. You know, We're Keith. Bringing in Keith. Crofty's son. Crofty was a great tall defender. Yeah. Yeah. I know absolutely nothing about his son, but if he's tall he's and well. he's a defender, that's yep. good. Because um, he'll be father's son, obviously. Steve McPherson's son, who we said no to, is yep. doing very well at the Gold Coast. At uh, was he moved? I think he's somewhere at VFL level, but I think he right. got. Like, he's a small forward. Yeah, like he's like I know. Good kid. I'm too. such a romantic that I always just want the father sons yeah, to, yeah, to get in. Yeah, I think we. I think we look. I think what we're missing down back, if I think about it, is we're, we're missing, we're missing that. Like we, we don't have a lot of runway with our key backs. Like Jonesy had a great year, but uh, you know he's 34 or whatever. That's like let's just be honest. He's closer to the the, the end than the beginning. Yes, Keithy's signed for one more. Yep. There's a, I think there's a good fair argument that that'll be his last. What we are missing, I feel like, from the way we've always played is we don't have one of those dynamic sort of mid-sized intercept marking defenders at the moment. Like, like an Eastern Wood type? Sure, Eastern. But there's been another player, Cross, when he was playing good footy. Yeah. Like there's Bob. Been, yeah, Bob, even. You know, Dale. Like these guys who can kind of play big and small. Yeah. We haven't got had one of those in a while. Um, and I feel like that, you know, that ability to intercept, particularly in front of the big forwards who have historically gotten a bit of a hold of us, yeah. is always a good thing. I mean, even Zane, Zane was quite good at it for a long he time. He was. Yeah. You know, he didn't. He wasn't always the best player that we had, but he, you know, he's been playing some good football for St Kilda now. Yeah. Um, so I think someone like that would be really useful. I think we're a bit light on on the wings as well, which I think we've shown, especially with speed. Um, mm. Where although well, credit to Oscar Baker, one he's of had the a good year, yeah, yeah. and Jones, yeah. You know. Yeah, so and Lob played probably his best game against. He probably played his best couple of games the last two weeks of the yep. year, in my opinion. And I didn't see every game, so I'm not smashing Rory. But but Rory's in a tough spot because it's like, where does he fit? And I don't think he's shown that he's going to be the best key forward down there. Um, and again, he's 32. All right, yeah, like because he's he was drafted as a 21 year old in 2013, so that there would make That's him 31. What? Yep, 31 or something like that. A few years older than me, so. You know, I, I again, where does he fit? And I've always I've said the same thing about Rory the whole time. It's like if Rory could really work out how to be a super big asset in the ruck, he would be worth every every second of every game mm. that he plays. Because Tim's doing a great job. If you can give Tim a chop out, and let's just say, and again, I'm purely hypothesizing, Tim's last six weeks weren't his best six weeks. And that happens when you're the only ruckman for the whole year. Of course, Almost yes. exclusively. Like it happened to Wilminson, it happened to Todd Goldstein, it happened to everyone. Yes. Who hasn't had a chop out, then they lose a bit of – because it's – mate, it is – again, physically it's the most demanding spot on the ground. Yes. So if you could take 10% of game off him and give you know Rory some more time and he could be really effective in there, which again, I would say judging by the fact that he's gone in and out of the side this year, they haven't found that he's been effective in there. Mm. I think that's the number one indicator for him is that – if he was decent in the ruck, he'd be in there every week, guaranteed. Um, 
so yeah, I think that you know he needs to sort of work out where he fits in. But there yeah, maybe those two. So I think you know a, an intercepting defender who's you know can find his feet pretty quickly. So you know that takes a bit of athleticism and size and some kicking because you can't kick, you'll get dropped. Um, and then some speed around the other around the ground. I think sort of will always be helpful, especially in the way that the game's being played at the moment. We don't have those players like the you know like the, and again like Hunt is playing. Hunt, I watched Lockie Hunter play yesterday. Um, he played very very well for Melbourne or the day before mm. and he's got that ability to get up and down the ground over and over and over again yep. which was is very very important as a link player um, but yeah I mean I'd, uh, I'd, that would be sort of the players that I'd okay. be looking at alright uh, is there any uh, assistant coaches that you know are in the system that we should be talking no, I could, no, no idea about assistant coaches okay. at all um, you know again there's been a lot of change in there in the last so there, there is there was stability for you know around twenty um, fifteen sixteen seventeen in terms of personnel, not in terms of position because after sixteen they changed the coaches' positions they rotated yeah, ever. That was so weird. Uh, someone I, I'm sure another club did it somewhere and it was like oh this is the best thing to do to keep it fresh. No. But anyway, you just won the flag, you yeah. idiot! Don't change the winning formula. Exactly. Uh, it's like there's this such a balance between evolving and just ripping the you know, floorboards yeah. up and just. Just doing it for whatever. But then since then, I mean, how many ins and outs have we had? We've had lots and lots of seniority moving in and out and of that And apparently, place. like, okay, here's some scuttlebutt for you, people. This is genuine scuttlebutt, and I'll tell you my source because it is not good. But <laughs> uh, one of our Patreons, uh, he uh, is quite active on Bigfooty. He says there's one particular poster. His whole family are doing it. Uh his whole family are on there. They they say there's this one poster who has never been wrong all year, uh, and they they've they've got a theory that he's a club insider. He's on big footy. This bloke, right? This guy's on big footy. Yeah, this I've, random person we don't know. Smiley boy is the, uh, yeah. the big footy poster. I've had some, I've had my fair share of you know even as a junior rumors on big footy. Here we go. And, well, you know they weren't they weren't accurate. So. Well, this guy hasn't <laughs> been wrong apparently. So yeah, this is what I'm telling you. This is this is the level we're going to give yeah, yeah. you. This we're not going to say this is full blown nuffy. You know, totally. dark days of uh, September. Yeah. Uh, have been told only Bevo and Laid will remain on the coaching staff. The rest will be shown the door. That includes Matt Innes. We're standing by Bevo as Bont believes in him and they're just going to build a better structure around him. That- uh, you know, okay, let me just work through that. So, Matt, sure. so no coaches will remain except for Brendan Laid. Yep. Who is a seasoned veteran. Yes. And was a rough. Croge was talking him up last Yeah, week. and he played under um, Choco for a long time. Okay. So... If that doesn't leave you with a few cal- <laughs> a few calluses, so you know, I think look, he's a senior player, a person we haven't, and look, Kingy was really quite strong. Like there was a, f- we've had a few guys who ended up being quite senior, but have obviously since departed as they you know seek out their own senior coaching positions, presumably. So you have that, and then Brendan Lady staying. Matt Innes is the high performance coach who's been there for I want to say he's been in charge for. Nine years, okay, almost ten, probably, because yep. he took over from Justin Cordy um, as an interim, and then they ended up giving him the position. And he was big in terms of bringing Bevo's sort of, I would say, philosophy of training to life. Around we don't just need to we're not we're not track athletes, we're footballers. So yep. how do we integrate the extra additional conditioning? You don't have to say extra and additional, but <laughs> it was it's felt like it at times. Tell you what, when I wasn't fit, it felt like it. Um, into the training drills so that you didn't have to just like run for an hour and train for an hour. It's like, how do you integrate it to make sure that you're kicking under fatigue and all that stuff? Really, really good. I'm a massive proponent of that philosophy and I think it's been very useful. Um, But then the rest of the coaches, so who would that be? That'd be, so there's Matt Spangers there. 
Yeah, uh, Bob ja- is obviously Jamie going. Maddox, Rowan Smith's obviously. Um, they're saying it would be gone in this. Who else? Uh, Webb. Yes. Who am I missing? I feel like there's one more. I don't know. You know him better than me. So, I mean, again, we haven't heard or seen a lot from any of those guys, I suppose, over the course of um, the last little while. No, but they didn't do too much media. Yeah, anyway. but the, the other guy, I feel like the other guys used to. Like, Stephen King used to do media almost every week, yeah. like, especially pregame. Gia did. Yep. Anyway, um, Gia, the, the cameras always want Gia though. He's a handsome he's man. Such a handsome man. Wish get like if like, if we do get rid of Bevo, I think Gia would be my number one choice. But again, that's just because I'm a stupid romantic, and yeah, I always of want. Uh, some people are saying Bob should come over and coach. I'm like, isn't Bob like barely like sort of an administrator of the footy department? I think he's like leadership consultant. Yeah, I'm not sure Bob is the way well, we love Bob. I think he's like in a kind of like a GM role, general yeah, manager. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't think Bob's the. We'd love for Bob he's to not, come he's back. He's not coaching, but he's not senior coach. No. no. Bob, um, come back. You're very welcome. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Come back and come man. back and come back and help. Yeah, but yeah, I, I look. Put it this way. Here's my thoughts on this whole thing. One, the whole point that they made at the end that is Bond believes in Bebo and that's why he's staying. Mm-hmm. Bond can believe in whatever he likes, as much as he's the most important player and arguably the most important figure at our club at the moment. He's going to have an input, not a say. You yep. know, to who's the senior coach because players shouldn't pick their coaches. Whether, whether they're good or bad, right? Because it's just the relationship is not the right one for you to have an objective thought about it, right? Even, and Bont would be as close to objective as anyone because he's the best player and he's not having – there's not a lot of criticism of Bont's game going on, right? No. But having said that, that will be a decision made far and above and rightly so above Bont's head. And, it, yeah, as I said, it should be. And it should be done with a due process, which they always talk about and all that sort of stuff. But the final bit is – We've, so you, the, the comment that we're going to get rid of five coaches and just magically find five new ones that are going to work together well, you know, integrate into the club, know what we're about, pick up the game, like, et cetera, et cetera. got to say, it sounds good. Well, but, like, in what world does that magically work tomorrow? This one, hopefully. Yeah, <laughs> but this is what I mean. Like, it's like, this stuff takes time. Like, the, the connection between the assistant coaches, both in messaging and game plan and the communication relationship with the players, that all takes time. You seem to forget 2014. We were, we were rubbish. We brought in Bevo. Suddenly we're not rubbish. Yeah, but that was one coach, not five. Well, exactly. So it'll work five times faster. Oh, you know, arguably, it could be work five times slower. <laughs> and especially given that, again, creating something. So even that coaching group. So Gia was a new coach. Joel Corey was, has been there, but was kind of newish. Stephen King, I think, stepped like they they created something together, which is very different to what they're talking about. Yeah, now. yeah. In that in that instance, they're saying, "Hey, it wasn't the main guy's decisions that were wrong. It was the mix of people below him that didn't. So we're just going to change the mix and hope that it changes the product." Yeah, that like I'm optimistic, and again, it very much depends who they are. Yeah, but. You can't tell me that that's magically going to change everything tomorrow. And again, this is a pure rumor. So absolutely, yeah. There's uh, my point is there is some holes in there. Like there's not that there's much so time to find five good coaches or four good coaches. Yeah, we've got, already got one position vacant, so we've been looking presumably at the Rowan Smith replacement. What about like what about the other four? Well, I, I have no idea how long these things take. How how much due diligence? Well, put it this way: there's probably like mate, there might be twenty. There might be 20 coaches in the market, right? Maybe. There you go. We only need five. That are any good, <laughs> right? And percentage of those 20, like, they're accredited coaches who have the, like, you know, the uh, 
the history and the experience to be considered senior assistants and uh, you know proper like higher level assistants, not just people entering the coaching sphere yeah, for the yeah, first yeah. time. One, you've got to be able to afford them. That's a whole yeah, other we got problem. Soft cap, yeah. yeah. Soft yeah. cap is more like the hardest cap in the world. Yes, yeah. uh, every every time you go over it, it costs costs you like two and a half dollars for every dollar you spend or something crazy like that. And then you've also got to find them, and they've got to agree, and then they've got to agree on the mix and their responsibilities and their role and which part. Like that's a, it's a massive ordeal to get that done in three months, especially with, you know. There's like coach head coaching change at four or five other clubs. They're going to all move all of their assistants to. Like, again, I'm not saying it's impossible. I'm saying it's bloody hard. I'm so, yeah, but isn't it isn't it dumb? The optimism I have, I go yeah, but we can do this. We can do this. Yeah, I mean, if you could like again, but someone has to know everyone's availability, everyone's interest, everyone's contract status, and then you have got to try and poach them. And it's like whilst you're trying to poach coach X, Y, and Z to do one part of the role or maybe to do three parts of the role, they're also going, well, there's other clubs trying to approach Coach X and this coach doesn't like Coach Y. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> like, yeah. Like, and again, that's why mass change is so hard to implement. It's easier to bring in one head coach and, and young coaches, which is what they often do. Yeah. Because the experienced head coach will train up the assistants is the theory, I suppose. Yeah. it's. I mean, the, the best coach currently in the world, Andrew Postacoglu, he never brings assistants with him. He no. just goes and does it himself. Which means that he doesn't ask the assistants to do much. Right? <laughs> well, he's just so set in his yeah, way. He knows his saying. own game plan yeah, yeah. so well. And, set uh, in their way sounds like coaches. You know? Yeah. But that is it. So for every coach that's set in the right way, it's about 400 of them set in the wrong way. That's true. Can we just get Angin? Apparently him and, uh, you know, I'm sure we, I'm sure Tottenham aren't paying him that much. I did hear um, Robbie Williams singing. This. Man, yeah. I, He's I, been everywhere singing songs. Old, he must, no one must be listening to his Robbie's, songs. Uh, Robbie's coming out here in November. I've got tickets. Um, but uh, Robbie, no, I've got to say, I, I know this is a Bulldogs podcast and, and I talk about Ange Postacoglu too much. Do you know my daughter genuinely thought Ange Postacoglu was the Prime Minister? Oh, really? She <laughs> thought Albo was short oh, right, for right. Ange Postacoglu. I'm sure he could do it. Yeah. Oh, man, he'd be awesome. Yeah. Uh, imagine, imagine him just bullying the whole parliament. Him in question time. <laughs> like, yeah, mate, it's pleasing. You know, it's a good budget. We're uh, doing okay. Um, what was I guess? Uh, but, yeah, no, the, the Robbie Williams singing about Angeball. The best Ange Postacoglu chant that Tottenham have come up with is to the Venger boys. I don't know if you've heard it. Postacoglu, he rode his kangaroo to <laughs> London from Australia. He's Tottenham Hotspur save. Yeah. Uh, I think that's the one that I haven't heard. I've heard the other ones, which were like, there's... um. Uh, is it like is it angels or one of Robbie's? Yeah, yeah, that's the Robbie one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We're loving an ange ball instead. Yeah, yeah. I th- yeah, I was like, this is pretty good. It's all right. Yeah, it's very fun. It would all sound right. good with you know thousands of fans singing it. Yeah, yeah. That's that's something they have. Whenever Australian footy fans try and bring in singing, it's terrible. Yeah, and it just doesn't work for that for our game because our game is too fast. Yeah, and, and too much going on. That, like deviates for you from doing one chant. You know? Yes, like when they're just kicking it around half back or whatever they call it in uh, in soccer. Then you can, you can just- fire up. But yeah, and, and look, I've I've been to games in Europe. Those those fans just don't watch the game. They just sing. Yeah, which is great for the atmosphere. But I couldn't do it. I'm there yeah, to watch so the it's sport. It's like when uh, there was someone getting asked about this the other day, and they're like, oh, or I saw a video on it, and they're like, oh, so you don't have an opposition pen? And they're like, pen? What do you mean? Yeah. He's like. You know, like a completely demeaning and like dangerous part of the ground that you lock fans in so they have to suffer the way through the run. Uh, uh, we do have to mention a couple of big games this weekend. Look, the, the men's seniors season is over, but the Footscray. Yeah, Footscray. I was about We're to in say. the finals. Yeah, we play uh, Casey 
at Box Hill City Oval on Saturday at midday. I wonder if I can pop in. I might. I'll see if I can get away with the... Anyway, I'd like to go to that. But also, the um, the AFLW, of course, starts on Saturday night. We were supposed to be chatting to... Uh, we requested Ellie Blackburn or a few of the, the senior players, but they're all uh, get, getting ready for round one. So I have a... I have, here's an official statement. This is actual proper journalism. There's an actual statement from assistant coach Nikki Callanan, friend of the show. We'll leave this right at the end, so we're going to yep. listen all the way to here. Uh Players are raring to go. Looking forward to finally starting their season after an off-season and a pre-season. I said, that's rubbish. Give me something better. Yeah, yeah. What? <laughs> and, she go, and she just went, um, I don't know, just say something like, dogs are bigger than cats. <laughs> <laughs> now, imagine Nikki comes out with like a full-blown like, you know, speech for the fan base and then Berkey's like, what are you doing? <laughs> Put it this way. If... Um, Let's hope that they start winning and start playing well because as soon as they do that, they'll give us guests every week. Yes, that's what we want. And if we're struggling, <laughs> just be us and Berkey. <laughs> <laughs> you can do worse. We love Berkey. Uh, thanks for listening, everyone. Uh, we hope we know we didn't answer many questions, but a lot of them were the same and we thought we'd take them head on. Uh, we'll we'll, um, we'll be covering obviously some version of what's happening from a trade and results and you know not uh, we won't we'll, we won't be spending a bunch of time on the rumors I would say but once actually things start to happen yes I think talking about what that means and where we can get to because I think that'll balance out obviously updates from the W as we go through the next little yeah. while which we would encourage everyone obviously to be as supportive and in, invested in as possible because hey we why would you want to watch the man at the moment. We're, we're, <laughs> We're not playing. We're one, straight. we haven't been playing well. Two, now we're not playing at all. So we might as well watch exactly. some, of our, some of the other Bulldogs uh, play. Oh, yeah. Like. I mean, you, you diversify your sportsfolio. Get behind the girls. Yeah, it gives like, yourself as – yeah, diversifying portfolios is good for one thing, mitigating risk of failure. You Because know? <laughs> more, 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 um, more tickets to the show that you have, the more likely you'll see the show that you want to see. Exactly. That's what you want to do. Um, also, uh, get involved in the Patreon. It's only five bucks a month uh, or more if you want some extra perks. But we are a bit more brutal, honest there. Oh, no, I was very – very emotional last week and uh, yeah. uh, interestingly we got a new Patreon so uh, in a sanctum high up person at the club who did uh, listen to my emotional ranting and uh, has given feedback so but hey if you want to hey, get because we also talk, chat to the Patreons a lot more yeah. now well, that we've got the ear of someone very very high up at the club <laughs> possibly the highest <laughs> get involved in the Patreon and opinions will be shared so yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Through a filter, <laughs> through a filter. Well, sure. It's but just le- it's a bit of a more it's le- it's more like a colander, not a sieve. It's a bit more of a sieve that we deal with at this <laughs> level, where it catches a lot of the juicy bit. <laughs> um, we what we promise always, and, and I promise this is to make sure that whatever I feel that I can safely and um, effectively, and from a value point of view, deliver to the fans in terms of insight. I will always try and do that. But having said that, just remember, if I'm not saying something, it's not because you. Like I'm trying to hide it from you. It's because I don't think you need to know. You know, <laughs> like I think that the club. You know, I, again, I want them. We, me and Danny had a text message uh, session about this. I just want we want both want the club to do so well as quickly as possible. Yeah, and the fans should be um, updated and involved and respected. I would and and informed better than they have been, but. Giving every detail about what's going on at the club is not going to be helpful. No, no, no. You, you, you just, just trust, trust us. Well, and hey, you'll know in time. You yeah, will know in that'll time. Help. There's a statute of limitations. If you want a juicy story from ten years ago, 
What's your statute of limitations? Well, if it's 10 years, I can start telling stories next season. All right. Only on the Patreon. <laughs> Done. There you go. If you want to hear the juicy gossip of the 2014 season, uh, that will, yeah, we'll drop it right now. We'll drop it uh, very soon. Just join up, okay? Anyway, um, good luck to the girls. Good luck to the twos. Good luck to you, boy. You're just life. Yeah. Thanks, mate. You too. <laughs> See you next week. I gave my childhood to that role of the red, white, and blue sea. And the knowledge that you had to love the bulldog boys and me. Twenty years on, I feel that longing hanging in September air. But the reason I go every week is to pretend you're still there. And they will find the glory one day, and I will throw it at your feet. It's a long, long road they're running for you The dogs of Footscray Streets It's a long, long road they're running for you The dogs of Footscray Streets